0: Hello, welcome to Pod. It is Wednesday, the twenty-third of January. My name is Ben. Joining me, as always, it's Jay Blades Analytics. How are you doing today, mate?
1: Hello, all. Um, busy week, but tension is building before Saturday now.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a pretty big game, isn't it? We c- we can get onto that in in some detail in this podcast. Um, but first, I think we probably should talk a bit about Swansea City, uh, which we obviously played this weekend. It was a one-nil defeat. I don't know about you. I was this is probably one of our <laughs> least annoying defeats of the season. I, I was trying to I was thinking that the other day because at the same time it is it is also quite disappointing because they're you know they're they're quite a way down the league. I think they were fifteenth at the time of uh, the time of kickoff. Obviously with a, a later kickoff, they slipped down a little bit. But at the same time, they have some really really good players. It's pretty surprising they're that far down. I think and uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I was sort of mildly annoyed but uh when i thought of some of our other defeats this season not not too bothered i guess compared to like you know losing to leeds at home losing to derby away that kind of thing are you similar or were you were you livid at full time
1: <laughs> it's an overreaction monday isn't it mm. um, <laughs> no I, I wasn't livid at a 1-0 loss at swansea i think swansea are a much better team than the league table says they are and that's not based on any data or anything. That's just my opinion of the squad they have. I, I think they have a good squad. Um, and I think that, it, you know, if they if they put a run together, they could be one of the dark horses for the playoffs, actually. And it's mm-hmm. not just because they beat us. I think when you look at their squad on paper and what they have, they have as good as most of the teams in the division in a lot of positions. Um wasn't livid. It was disappointing. And it was especially disappointing because of the fact we should have been one or two up at time. Yeah. Um, that, I guess know, so that's... Was, sorry, go on. No, yeah, I just want to finish that. It's more, of a, it's more, more a disappointment of what could have been rather than anger of what was.
0: Yeah, exactly. And at the same time, that kind of leaves me thinking, you know, how much do you, how much do you read into this defeat in terms of like, oh, well, we probably would have won if we'd taken one of those chances in the first half and been, you know, one 0 up. Because yeah, just to quickly talk about the the kind of events of the game. I mean, I thought you had really good in the first half, very. Very much on top, you know, kind of very dominant in possession. Uh, got in down the left quite frequently. Had a great chance with um, with Sharp where I think it was Stevens got into the box and pulled it back and it was slightly behind Sharp. It was on his weaker foot, but it was very, very close to goal and... Um, yeah, you should have scored. Really, ended up being a a good save by the goalkeeper. I think uh, I've got this here actually. In for goal had it as a a sixty one percent chance. So sixty one percent of the time, that yeah. chance results in a goal. So very very good chance. Obviously, Sharp's a phenomenal finisher. So that you know the 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 rate at which he would normally finish that chance is probably even higher. Um, it was also a good chance for McGoldrick as well. In for Gollard, that was a 27% chance. So not in the realm, not a, a, a gimme, if you like, but it was a, a you know, great cross and he was in a lot of space and steered his head wide. And then the one that really did annoy me was uh, Cameron carter who'd come on for their injured central <laughs> defender. How did he not head this into his own net? <laughs> I just can't believe it. It sort of smashed him in the face from close range and uh, somehow ended up just sort of going straight into the goalkeeper's chest instead of into the back of the net. Um, yep. but then, in the second half i mean it was uh yeah it was it was a very different game in the second half uh Swansea brought on daniel james who's who's very highly rated so much so that uh Marcelo bielsa has a has a folder with his name on it on his uh, his laptop background I noticed uh the other day um and yeah, just a very different game you know i didn 't really get into it in the second half uh Swansea went ahead. We we were unable to it, it was a little bit unfortunate. It was quite a nice move for their goal. Uh, I think it was is it Van der Horn, the central defender, played a, yep. g- a good one too with Nathan Dyer and then he squared it for McBurney who uh, yeah, probably the best chance of the whole game. And McBurney now three goals in three appearances against us. So he's he's not my favorite player right now. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I, I mean I you know I didn't really force a, a proper chance, I think, for the rest of the game. Chuck Don Medine uh, Dowell came off the bench as well but yeah didn't I wouldn't say we didn't look like scoring because uh, you know Medine did cause some problems which we can talk about in some detail shortly but uh, yeah I, I didn't really feel like we were going to score uh, yeah. from quite long into sorry from quite early in the second half
1: yeah and no, I yeah I completely agree with everything you said we actually had a big chance in the last minute though didn't we I, I didn't, it didn't look that big I was watching it on I didn't go I was watching it on telly but it didn't look that big at the time but mm. I watched the replay and the XG percentage Leon Clark had a header from the corner
0: yeah and when you
1: look at the reverse angle he's about three yards out
0: it sort of just, just trickled through to the keeper did he hit it wide I can't remember just,
1: just, just trickled wide it basically hit him in the face right, right? Just, just just, hit him on the side of the face rather than actually heading it but I mean that was for, you know XG models 42% of the time that, that one goes in mm, okay. yeah Massive chance, considering it's you know, much more. There's three yards out basically, and it was an unmarked header. It's just the fact that he had someone directly in front of him who over under jumped, and the ball was there, so he couldn't react quick enough. Just from a data perspective, it makes the whole second half look slightly different because I agree with you. We just, we huffed and puffed, but didn't create nothing. But then we had just one big chance at the end, and it. again, it's a okay. We really didn't play well in that second half, but what could have been? Mm. But I think the the interesting bit about I can't summarize any better than what you've done. I know we'll get onto individuals and what happened. in a a second but one of the big things I noted um, from the data in the second half was in the first half our pressing rate was we only allowed Swansea eight passes between each defensive action so either a tackle an interception a foul whatever your class as defensive actions on the ball we pressed the ball and only allowed eight passes between each action in the Mm. second half we allowed 13 so that goes to show that's a massive jump you don't get that type of jump ever I've never seen Sheffield United have that type of jump that's the highest amount of or the least amount of pressure we've applied all season in the second half mm. and I think that can be explained by the gap between the midfield and the defence yes. uh, as we as we were under the cosh the midfield try and pushed up and just no the defence stayed in because the pace that Swansea had Daniel James you mentioned him, he's so fast he's clever um, and he was playing in channels that you know normally our centre backs would be leaving, and they just they ended up sitting on their own eighteen yard box with a massive gap to the midfield, and it just causes all sorts of problems.
0: Yeah, and I guess that was partly the reason why we just weren't able to get on the ball to the same extent um, I did yeah. ask on Twitter as I'm sure many people have seen uh, for any sort of um, suggestions for discussion points and, and questions and a, a few people did kind of bring this up, I'm just quickly scrolling through now so yeah, Matt, Matt Pennell uh, asked why we couldn't cope or break down at 4-3-3, uh, Kieran Gray also said multiple occasions this year we've been played straight after half time, any correlation as in our team's doing similar things to nullify United, enhancing their performance, what do you do to counter it happening again? I mean, I think yeah, the, the sort of big question to come out of this Swansea game is is basically what happened after half-time and as as it happens, um, I mean, James came on because Routledge got injured so, yeah. you know, that, that change was kind of enforced but it, it did make a huge difference because as you say, his pace meant that our, our back three stayed back that created a lot of space um, between defense and midfield, we weren't able to have the same level as of, cont- of control as we did before. I thought one of the other things they did was, um, and, and you noted this on Twitter as well. Uh, Selena dropped really deep, and yeah. you know he was practically playing as a left back at times. Um, yeah, he was, yeah, and that was quite an ingenious um, ploy by them because he is very much a, a playmaker type guy. You know, he's, he's one of them when you see him with the ball at his feet. It's like you can just tell he. Is a classy footballer, you know, He just looks like he's got so much time on the ball, you know, it's sort of almost like sloping around when he's got the ball at his feet and yeah, getting him on the ball more and, you know, he was kind mm. of threading it basically through our midfield into their, their front three. And uh, yeah, I guess yeah. that was, that was a big thing. And that was why we were, I, I don't know, I guess the frustration is why, why weren't we able to adapt to that and, and do something about it? Any, any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's three things. There's three things from a tactical point of view that I think so. Yeah. Great pickup. The Selena about 35 minutes into the first half, started just dropping into left-back.
0: Mm.
1: What, that, what that meant is two things. It meant that Connor Roberts, who was playing left-wing back for or left-back, he, he's very fast. He's good at going forward and he bombed on. So instantly, George Waldock's got two problems to think about because you had Wayne Routledge in the first half who drifted inside. He's got Connor Roberts who's left-back bombing down the outside and then he's got Selena advancing with the ball as well. So our right-hand side are instantly got problems everywhere. The issue then when Daniel James comes on is Daniel James went and actually played as a centre forward. Um, I've got average once his average positions in front of me when they made substitutions and you can see the different formation changes. Ollie McBurnley actually drops into a 10 role and Daniel right. James goes and plays up top. So now they've got this left winger who isn't there, which you would think would help our right-hand side, but what they're actually dealing with is the fact that Selena's dropping deep. So who picks him up? Do we go with him? Do we go and press? Mm. Now what what happened is in the first half is we actually went and pressed and Duffy had pressed Leroy Furr and Baldock would go and press Selina and high um, and Norwood would come across and press too. Now, sometimes that worked and we won the ball high or or at least our defensive line was high. So when we did win the ball, we were in the half to play with it.
0: Mm.
1: Unfortunately, the, towards the end of the first half, that stopped working. Uh, and there was a couple of times, I think, when Fair turned away from Duffy, when Selina turned away from Baldock or Duffy. And then it's one, two, three passes, which Swansea are great at. They're probably the best vertical passing team in the league. In terms of they don't go sideways, they just pass directly forwards up the pitch. Mm. And um, the one, two times they did that, they created chances or at least dangerous moments. So I think in the second half, what we did is the defensive line got panicky about the pace that was coming at them and they dropped off, as we've discussed. That isolated the midfield. Now, we don't have a midfield that can be isolated because the two things that John Fleck and Ollie Norwood can't do is be physical and athletic. Mm. Then they're not. The amount of times that Norwood got ran past because he's he, and this isn't a criticism it's just what he is he's too slow to chase back yeah you know the amount of times Fleck got physically dominated by Leroy Furr who is a massively physical pl- player this is again not a criticism it's just fact yeah if we isolate our midfield two against players like that they don't have a chance Um, and, and then Swansea were just be able to build their triangles and intricate passing so it, it was kind of a, a leveling effect if you will one thing caused another but we just basically stopped the defensive line pressing high with the midfield um keeping that gap, you know, a manageable gap between the two. So that if we broke, if basically if Swansea broke one line in the first half, there was a backup straight away Mm. in the second half, they broke that midfield line. And then it was just their midfield and forwards advancing onto our back five as it became. So that's, yeah. uh, You know, without just, you know, throwing my Marcelo Bielsa hat in the ring. That's, that's what I saw was happening. But yeah, I, I thought Graham Potter was clever, very clever. Um, He's a very clever manager, actually. And that's what I mean about Swansea being a decent side. I don't think there's no shame in that. And I don't think it's worth criticising that second half. There was errors. We need to learn from it. But, again, we lost 1-0. We're not out of games when we're not even playing well, are we?
0: No, exactly. And, you know, as, as we said, if we've taken one of our ch- – you know, those very good chances in the first half. The game probably shakes out very differently. And we might end up with a, another win, another clean sheet. So, yeah, I don't think it's too much to worry about, I guess. I mean, let's just talk quickly about, uh, I guess, what we attempted to do to get back into the game. Uh, mm. And, yeah, there's been a few people kind of ask about uh, use of substitutes this season. Dan Atkin brought this up. Um, I think a few other people as well. Uh, yeah, Joel Chamberlain here. Thoughts on how the introduction of Medine impacted our style of play. So just before we get to Medin, actually, I want to talk about Kieran Dowell because... Um, yeah. I'm quite impressed with what I've seen of him so far. I mean, I, I generally, well, no, I do give all our signings the benefit of the doubt in terms of like I want them to be amazing, and occasionally that leads to me, you know, having uh, having my hopes not exactly met. Cough, Ben Woodburn, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I like what I've seen Adele so far. I mean, you know, the thing that we kind of were saying through the first well, I suppose through the summer and through the first few months of the season, is like, we want this player, this kind of game changer, someone who, you know, will will try things, it will take players on, he'll play like, he'll attempt a difficult through ball, he'll take a shot from 20 yards or whatever. Um, and yeah, from, from the brief bits I've seen of Dowell so far. He looks like he's going to be that player. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought he had a good impact. You know, he he came on, he, uh, he dribbled past a few players, you know, got away from their midfield. Uh, there was a really good sort of chipped through ball to Sharp, where Sharp, well, I suppose you could say, delayed the pass a little bit, so Sharp ended up being offside. But, yeah, I, th- I thought it was... Uh, encouraging signs from him in terms of like, this is the guy to potentially get us back into a game or, you know, a, nick a game that we're winning, that kind of thing. What do you think to his uh, his cameo in this one?
1: Yeah, well, I love him, don't I? So I'm biased. No, <laughs> uh, <a> <laughs> yeah. No, I thought it was good. good cameo. I mean, we're going to get on to what happened, to so why I felt he drifted out of the game in a minute, I guess, when we talk about Karen Medine, But there was moments there of just sheer quality, um, the the ball to sharp on the angle. I mean, I don't think we have a player in the team who plays that pass. No, I, you know because Duffy's excellent. And again, I want to get on to Mark Duffy as well in a minute. I know you, I know you do too. But that you know Duffy's such a brilliant player at controlling the tempo and finding angles. But he he doesn't play those incisive passes on the angle like that. Mm. Uh, that's the type of thing that he, Dal's been brought in to do because he does that and no one else in the squad does. And that that was a great ball. It's the type of ball that is sharp. Gets you know over a period of 10 games he's going to get a lot of goals from that type of pass.
0: Yeah, indeed. So so we <laughs> brought it... Dowell on to kind of do that and unlock the defense. And then we brought Medine on and uh completely went away from what had looked quite effective with uh with Dowell. So yeah, this uh, so I thought Medine did well, like uh you know, he won most of his aerial duels. I mean they they eventually it looked like Swansea just stopped even uh, even challenging him for herders. they were you know, just yeah. letting him win the first one and trying to trying to get the second ball. <laughs> Um, But what I didn't like, and I don't, well, I'm sure there is like actual data that says that this is a bad idea, but I don't like us lofting balls from the halfway line onto Medine's no. head. I mean, aim for Medine, sure, but surely we should be trying to get the ball into a better area before we we're, we're hitting him. I think it's fine if there's like two minutes left and you need to just get the ball down the pitch, but... Yeah, I, I didn't like that to be honest. The way we kind of abandoned our passing and, you know, at least trying to get the ball into good areas from from across. What, what was your thinking on that?
1: Yeah, nailed on. Um, and it's been discussed at length with a lot of guys. You know, we've got some knowledgeable fans out there, especially who listen to our pod. Because um, we're all <laughs> geeks, nice. aren't we? Yeah, and um, yeah, I think we all we all said, we all said what happened. I think some people made a great point that. Okay, so by the time Medin comes on the pitch, we, we've predominantly got just about every single striker on the pitch. So we didn't really have much much width or much playmaking apart from Dal. So. True, true. All this idea about progressing the ball into a wide area and then maybe whipping it in for a bit more of an attacking effort from Medin, or at least a more dangerous situation. Could we even do that? Okay, I take people's point. I think we could because we still had the backs on the pitch. You know, and they play like wingbacks even in a four, don't they? So, you, you know... Uh, yes, I think we could have done better, certainly. I, I mean, Jack O'Connell, so a deep completion is a pass that's completed within 25 metres of the opposition goal. Right. So you have to be within 25 metres of the opposition's goal. It's not like you're hitting a long ball. He made four deep completions. It was the most in the game from any player
0: on either that. side.
1: And every single one of them would before that was on the pitch. So, right. you know, yes, small sample size is one thing. But what that's telling you is, before Gary Medine come on the pitch, or before that last twenty minutes, JLC was playing high, um, especially in the first half, and he was working. You, I know you put his pass map up, pass map up on us, and he, you know he completed as many actions in the final third as most midfielders did in the game, and, and he was great. By the way, he was incredible. But what that means is, as soon as Medine comes on the pitch, we've just negated our whole style, what we're built to do. Mm. Um, and I, and I'm, I'm happy with Gary Medine signing. I agree. I thought Gary Medine looked threatening. And he looked like he caused a bit of chaos, which was needed. But yeah. I feel as though Gary McNeely needs to be an accessory of our style, not a, a direct change.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting how that shakes out, doesn't it? I mean, because, you know, you could say, well, we didn't, you know, okay, won some headers, but nothing actually happened. But, you know, is that a kind of understanding with Sharp or other forwards builds, you know, things yeah. are going to happen, aren't they? I mean, you know, it's, a couple of those are probably a foot away from dropping to one of our players and ending up in the back of the net. Of course, and it's percentages, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It's
1: the old Charles Reep Pomo thing, you know. Position ops. It's, it's, we're getting the ball in the in the mixer, in the danger area. And again, I agree with you. With ten minutes to go, five minutes to go, I'm okay with that. Mm. With twenty minutes to go or fifteen, I'm not. I'm not okay with that. We should play because we played like that away at Millwall. We played like that away at Preston, uh, home to Preston. We got points from it. Yeah. You know, because we were intricate, we were patient, we played our game, picked the gaps, got the goals. I understand what Medine brings. I understand we need to play to his strengths, but we need to do it in dangerous ways. You know, I'm, I'm happy for him to get knockdowns, but can we not at least advance the ball to within 30 metres of the opposition goal rather than from halfway line? Yeah. So rather than just chipping in angled balls, we might put a bit of whip on the cross. Maybe, you know, that's more threatening than, isn't it? I mm-hmm. think we, you know, I've seen Gary median play for a few different teams now and this tends to happen. And I am happy with diagonals to him when it's needed. But you also need to give him a chance to score goals, not just be a, you know, a battering ram. He, yeah. He's, you know, let's give him a chance to actually... Put his head on it and it goes somewhere that's relevant rather than just win that and let's see what happens. Mm, but I, that, that, I, you know, I don't want that to be a criticism of the team because it's something that was picked up on. It's something that I think Wilder picked up on as well. Post match, I heard that in his interview. Okay. Because um, I listened back and he, he did say, you know, we need to get used to that. We need to we need to get the ball in better areas to give to Gaz. That, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, that's fine. It's, it's been spotted listen, we kind of panicked because we were losing a game and we tried to get back in it in a new way. That's fine. You know, one loss is okay. Let's adapt and let's see what happens this weekend and moving onwards.
0: Yeah. Overall, though, I'm quite encouraged by what I've seen. Very, very limited minutes, obviously, from Medin and Dal so far. But, you know, they both look different to what we have. I mean, there's no surprise no surprise at all with Medine in that respect, but... That is a that is a big deal to me for uh, the rest of the season.
1: Oh God, yeah. I, I mean, the one moment from, that did a couple of good moments, but that one moment where we actually did play the ball in the final third with about seven minutes to go, when he mm. the ball's played into a pace, and he's got his defender behind him back to goal, so he's facing Henderson, but he's all the way down the pitch, and he just turns in the same touch that he takes the ball, turns away from the defender, dribbles around one, and then played a through ball to Leon Clark that looks over here, and then when you watch the replay, Leon's not on his toes. Yeah, I remember basically.
0: that. So it was a good it, bit. left the defender like face down on the grass thing. oh yeah
1: yeah i mean that that's the moments that we don't have we don't have dy- that's what i meant about dynamic I, I don't like this we need pace yes i'd love some but we don't need pace. we need dynamism you know we need to be able to accelerate and change play in, in an instant second off mm. the cuff you know not our structured style off the cuff and that's what dal brings and uh yeah i really like him i i um, you know, I'm sure we're going to talk about Duffy. I have no problem whether Dowell or Duffy plays, and I've seen people suggest Medine might start at Norwich, and I don't think he should, but I wouldn't have an issue either on what I've seen so far because I thought he was pretty good. So,
0: yeah, well, one, not not to jump ahead of ourselves, but when I was looking at the stats for uh, for Norwich's season so far, I did notice that they are quite weak in the air. They're 23rd yes. in terms of aerial wins out of the whole league. So. The simplistic thing there is play the big man, he'll win everything. there. Yeah. but just before we get on to Norwich, um, yeah, let, let's talk Mark Duffy. So, <laughs> do you know what? Well, this is this is poor, I should have gone and looked at this, but I haven't seen this tweet. But there is a tweet from Mark Duffy who has a protected account, and shamefully, mm-hmm. I was not following him on Twitter until this weekend. Oh. Um, but from what I gather, he is, uh, he is, he is clapped back is that the phrase i'm just going to use that phrase i don't know if it's the right phrase he's, he's it, retorted yeah. to yes. some criticism perceived or or real um that uh people are saying his his fitness levels are, are crap and he, he can't keep playing help me out is, is that a fair summary of what he said i've not seen it
1: yeah so i saw people talking about the tweet and giving an example of it um because i've not seen it myself at the time and then someone suggested is this duffy biting a wilder maybe um not, not rumor mongering, but, you know, I think Duffy said on Alan Biggs' show, he's quite spiky and he will say things at times, um, but that's probably why Wilder loves him as well. But then I've... Mark Duffy followed me back on that day, so I was able to see the tweet and it's to the fans. It's, it's, it's definitely 100% aimed at fans. That's not aimed at coaches. The way it's worded, directly aimed at fans. And I don't know, I don't know if it was done at the game. Um, I don't know if he's had private messages, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is, because Mark Duffy is on, on both platforms. But I wherever it's come from that's what it was aimed at and it is utter nonsense
0: yeah well here i've just found it actually so it's uh yeah this is uh was it on the 20th or sunday yeah yeah sunday find it very disrespectful that people question my fitness levels by questioning that you're questioning me as a professional and the hard work i put in every single week but let me make it 100 percent clear i can play for 90 minutes 100 percent, and the day i can't i retire from the game now actually seeing that full thing that is quite interesting because i am very much of the the train of <laughs> thought that duffy cannot play 100% for uh, for 90 minutes and obviously have, i have no insider knowledge here it's just what have, i see from the stands have um, we been con-
1: have we been conditioned to think that and this is not rumor room mongering room, but have we been conditioned to think that as fans because of the amount of times he's been substituted by the 70th minute
0: it is possible but at the same time, I it's been very, very rare that I've thought, "Oh no, why are we taking Duffy off?" Like he's uh, agreed, he's, he's in this game. Like this is we need him on the pitch. I think he's magnificent football. I've said this, uh, you know, over and over again. Especially after I, I gave him a seven out of ten for last season overall, and, and people, <laughs> are, people were not impressed. But largely that was down to the amount of time he spent on the pitch. Which, well, I'm pretty sure that is down to his fitness. To be fair. Um, yeah, I think he's a magnificent footballer, but I I generally do think like when he comes off, I'm like, okay, it is it is time to you know his influence in the game is waning, or you know if we're defending a lead, then you know mm-hmm. his kind of usefulness to the team in terms of like defensive shape just just kind of gets negated a bit. I mean, so yeah, there's a few people have asked about this as well. Uh, so uh, Jimbo on Twitter, yeah, interested to hear your thoughts on why like Duffy always gets subbed when he's our most creative player. He said he's fit for United. As Wilder disagree, or it's tactical. Um, I don't know. What, what's your thoughts? I mean, because I thought I thought it was weird, weird timing for this tweet. Because I actually thought this was Duffy's best game for, <laughs> for yeah, quite a yeah. while. Actually, particularly in the first half, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. You know, just yeah. buzzing about everywhere. He was he was pressing pretty high as well. Just really really good performance for him. So I was. I was surprised to see this come up after the game. Like, like I said, I didn't follow him on Twitter, so I didn't see it. I was like, oh, I didn't realise this was a thing. How very strange for it to sort of uh, mm-hmm. come to a head now of all times. But go on, what, what's your what's your Duffy thoughts?
1: Um, look, look, we not the fence, we don't have the, the data that the support scientists do at United. Football these days is very different. You don't ask a player if they're tired. I think we yeah. said this on the pod before they have you know most of them are wearing heart rate monitors as they're playing and if they hit the red line whatever their personal red zone is which is assessed in pre-season if they hit the red zone they're subbed because that means they're in their injury zone so whether you feel tired or not doesn't matter it's what your body's telling you know the body speaks better than a mouth ever can so we don't have that so that could be one factor um the other side of it is so in the past why mark duffy's come off is normally i don't think this is just personal opinion. Duffy has won us a couple of games by staying on the pitch. Millwall away, a great example. But I don't think that if you're winning a game with 20 minutes to go or chasing a game with 20 minutes to go, Duffers is not, might be a man. So what I mean by that is if we're winning a game, right, you might take Mark Duffy off and put an actual centre mid on John Lundstrom, Paul Coots, Someone who can control, a bit more defensive, sits in the middle of a flat three or you might you know, bring another defender on, whatever it might be. Mark Duffy doesn't help you if you're defending the game out. He's a good presser. He's an excellent presser. But he, at the 70th minute point, anyone's pressing. He, he's starting to calm down. And without that, and without us having everyone up the pitch, those little intricate passes, he doesn't actually give much. And that's not a criticism. You know, that's, that's just on the defensive side of the game. The other side of that is if you're chase, if you trying to chase the game, like we were at the weekend, if Duffy hasn't been effective, he was effective. But if he's stopped being effective, like he had in the second half because of the shape, Again, I, I think that negates Mark Duffy. So what we did on Saturday and what we've done in the past is took Mark Duffy off and put either a striker on if we're chasing a game or another midfielder who might have a different skill set. I just think that Duffy's skill set is so specific and defined for our system that when we are doing other things that our system isn't designed for, such as chasing a game, that it, it negates his abilities. He isn't an open space player, is he? He doesn't have the pace for that. He doesn't have the physicality for that. He's not an open space player as such. He's not... Someone who, if you're tossing the ball into the box, what what does Mark Duffy give you? Nothing. It, it might fall to his feet and there's a moment of genius, but generally he's not going to give you anything. So I can kind of see why we took him off, and he was almost valid because Dal came on and nearly set up two or three chances. Yeah. Because Dal Dow, Dal's a bit of a better one-on-one player. So I don't know. I, I think if fans are saying Duffy's unfit and things, they just need to shut up. Quite frankly, he's not. You know, we've spoken about it. I did a thread about it. Duffy can last night, hit and he's a just a magician and everyone should just bow at his feet because he's amazing <laughs> and i'm so glad we have him not everyone else um but tactically i think there is valid reasons for what happens
0: i think so yeah and he is 33 as well i mean let's you know yeah it's definitely. not exactly a well i don't know i don't want to insult him but it, it, you know physically he's uh slightly different to somebody like leroy fur for example yeah. yes <laughs> it's not exactly uh well obviously he is an athlete but Yeah, I'm just going to stop talking. He's much more athletic than I am. I'm just looking at uh, the amount of minutes he's played recently. So, you know, I mean, over Christmas, yeah, we, so looking at this, I mean, against Derby on Boxing Day, played 80 minutes, came off when the game was won, essentially, played a full 90 against uh, Ipswich a couple of days before that, played 77 against West Brom. Uh, and then obviously over Christmas, so Blackburn fifty six minutes, but I mean that's three days later. That was immediately after the Basham red card as well. So that was you could say that was tactical, uh, and and I, I think the end the end result very much justified that as well. Uh, Wigan, he came off sixty six minute. We were 3-0 up at that point. Save his legs i guess you could say with qpr that was 68 minutes and then obviously with swansea as well it's at that point where it's it's like is this tactical is it is it fitness issue but but overall you know he he is playing quite a lot of minutes it's a lot not, of minutes yeah it's not like he's coming off after an hour every single game no. i know i just name checked a few there but, you no, know, but if he's- generally he's going pretty deep into these games
1: yeah, I don't want to dwell on it too much more. You know, people are probably more interested in Norwich now. But if he's playing under seventy <laughs> minutes most of the time, then he's playing three quarters of a game every week. You know, yeah. or, or sometimes two times every a every three days or so. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the other side of this is what we've always spoken about on this pod this season is we we have an aging front line. Yeah. So we've bought in Medin, who's younger at twenty eight. We've bought him Dowell, who's really young. Um, you know, but we have an aging front line, and we need to save their legs. That's not to say they're unfit because they're old. That's that's that is against their professionalism, you can be fitter the older you get. Yeah. You know, I have no denying that. But age does come with different recovery. Footballers talk about this all the time. The older they get, they might feel fitter, but they have more time to recover. So the, yeah. the running isn't the hard bit, it's the recovery time. It's only natural. So the more time we can save in Mark Duffy's legs when we are ahead or when he's just effect he's going to be ineffective because we're trying something different, get him off the pitch, save him. We've got a lot more games which you know potentially a playoff campaign here where we're going to need Mark Duffy definitely so you know uh, yeah I I think if fans are saying it they just need to leave it out basically if it's a manager thing I I will never profess to know better than Chris Wilder so
0: yeah indeed All right. one one last thought on uh, the Swansea game before we move on to Norwich Uh, and this comes from The Tea Lady I've now closed the tweet which was very stupid of me so (laughs) basically she uh, wanted to highlight just how well Jack O'Connell played against uh, Swansea and I, I think it's very much worth spending a couple of minutes doing so. Uh, I thought it was phenomenal in this game. It's, it's actually the first time in a little while where we've yeah. been asked consistent questions at the back. I mean, even thinking back to that West Brom game, I mean, you know, their goals were kind of from, from giveaways or on the break, you know, it wasn't, it's wasn't. it been a long time since we've actually played a game under the cosh for a sustained period of time. And yeah, he, he was absolutely immense in this game, I think. You know? yeah, he was, yeah. I mean, yeah. Led all players with interceptions, ball recoveries. Led United with blocks. You know, there was there was a couple of times where the Swansea basically were about to score, and he just got a foot in. And yeah, yeah. I mean, also as you say, you know, uh, it was the United player to make the most attacking third passes in the second half. So once yeah. again, covered immense amount of ground. Just uh, he's just brilliant. I mean, it's it was almost good in a way to see him get the chance to showcase his defensive skills as well as attacking ones.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, hundred percent. Uh, to be honest with you, I loved it. I loved that defensive performance. It wasn't good. We were asked that many questions, but he just showed how solid. And it was from the first, like the first half as well. Even when Swansea weren't that threatening, they had a couple of dangerous moments, if you want to term it as something, where they kind of cut yeah. through a couple of lines. And he just nipped across from left centre back all the way to right centre back.
0: Yeah, I remember that. He did.
1: He did a lot That's of covering. And the, the two shots he blocked, so a good, an amazing, a, a really good XG chance, right? If we're talking about percentages, is anything above 60%, That that's normally yeah. a goal, right? Yeah. It's just how averages work, that it seems low, but it is normally a goal. JOC blocked two attempts that were both above 0.6. Right, so he's, okay. in essence, he's, he's probably saved at least one goal, if not two.
0: They're yeah. as good
1: as a goalkeeper making a world-class save, put it that way. Indeed. Um, uh, you know and they were astonishing blocks because they were last ditch and he was the only one within 10 yards of anyone mm-hmm. um, you know defensive jewels, so not just aerial jewels, but kind of ground jewels, defensive jewels. he won 78% of all defensive jewels. that was the highest in the game um, as you say final third passes as well just you know no one got close to him <laughs> no one got close to him on the pitch for final third passes eh? it's just nuts it's absolutely crazy the work that Jack O'Connell got through and for how well he played and he should be celebrated we don't do that enough in a loss do we? we spoke about this last year you know we, we, we can just jog on from a loss or we might analyse and criticise, but we don't praise and and we should definitely praise Jack O'Connell. That was an immense performance.
0: Definitely, and uh, a couple of excellent saves by Henderson as well. I always think this is Henderson. Like, if you look at our, uh, you know, our winning run over Christmas, it's like he probably could have had a deck chair out for most of the time. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's the odd save here or there, but there's some games where I def- we've just defended so well. I mean, that QPR game, he could have, he could have probably sat down on the goal line for pretty much the entire game. Whereas, uh, yeah, here he got a chance to showcase his abilities, and there was, I think it was from, it was like a double save, but there was yeah. a second chance from, I think it was from James where. You know, watching it live on the sort of TV camera angle, you're like that's a good save, and then you see the re- replay, and it's like, oh my god, that's a fantastic save! Like to, yeah. to get down to his left, and uh, I think it was still maybe it was one nil at that point, but all the same, it was. massive yeah. to keepers in the game, at least theoretically. Yeah. Um, all right, mate, let's talk about Norwich then. Uh, so that's coming up this weekend. Uh, a fairly sizable game, I would say. You know, with, uh, with, with some things <laughs> riding on it. Uh, Novich, obviously, above us in the table now. Uh, one point off leads at the top, I think, mm-hmm. after the results of the weekend. They had a good weekend, actually. We had a very good weekend, uh, I think, the previous week, wasn't it, when everyone else lost? Yes. Uh, and this week, it was their turn. Uh, they're a very good team. At the start of the season, I said... Uh, I'd noted that they were like the seventh favourite for promotion with the bookies and I couldn't believe it. I thought that was ridiculous. they just lost uh, <laughs> Madison, Madison and someone else whose name escapes me, a striker or attacker. Anyway, I, I just I didn't think that was going to happen at all. As it happens, they've been consistently one of the best teams all season. We obviously played them in the fourth game, which was a home win, of course. Uh, and at that point, I remember doing the sort of preview stuff for it. They were creating chances by the bucket full. Obviously, it was a very small sample at that point. But, yeah, big chance creation. Uh, Jordan Rhodes was banging them in. and El Hernandez was doing really, really well. Um, and that's kind of carried on throughout the season. They are an extremely good attacking team. I mean, yeah, just looking through some of the, the stats, they're the second-highest shots per game third highest possession. Defensively, they're very good. They allow the 19th highest, or fifth lowest if you prefer, uh, amount of shots. So slightly better, uh, sorry, slightly worse than United, but still very, very good in that category. Uh, They're they're very dynamic. They have the second highest number of dribbles per game as the team. Uh, Fifth highest number of key passes. So yeah, they are basically a very good attacking team. They don't allow many shots either. They, I mean, the table doesn't lie at this point at all, but, yeah, they're fully deserving of uh, being up there at the top. And, uh, yeah, we are not good away at top six teams, and, and we haven't been for three seasons or more, I guess. We haven't been under Wilder. I mean... Um, the chat. Uh, it, well, I don't actually know his name, but the chap from Blades Mad actually messaged me about this and wanted to kind of bring it up as well. And it, it is a great point. We are just not good at away at top six teams. Um, you know, if you go back to League One, I'm just looking now. Uh, so the rest of the top six that season, Bolton, we lost, I believe. Uh, Scunthorpe yeah. was a draw. Fleetwood was a draw. Bradford was a draw. Millwall was a loss. That's your top six. We've got 100 points, you know, so you sort of say, well, who cares about that? And to an extent, I don't really care about that because we're still in the top six ourselves. And, you know, if we beat all the other teams, we're going to end up near the top of the league. But I guess it is a slight concern, particularly going into this game, that, you know, generally we don't even get a point out of these kind of games. We generally do lose them. Um, But, yeah, sorry, this is a very, very rambling introduction to the section. Thoughts on Norwich? (laughs) Go. (laughs) Uh
1: I can't disagree with anything you've said. There's a couple of things to expand on. So
0: Yeah, go. On.
1: I suppose a good good question was what do Norwich do well? Yeah. Right, so if we go generic data to begin with, so they've got the second highest xG in the league. Mm-hmm. Um so f- 45.5 xG and they've scored 52 goals. So they're overperforming their xG now. I don't see that as a bad thing in Norwich's case because it's predominantly done from one player, which is Teemu Pukki, who's over- overperforming his own xG by five goals. Mm-hmm. So that, that might be a bit much, he might regress, but it basically shows they're a very good finishing team. Yeah. The reason they're a very good finishing team is they create the same amount of chances in the penalty box as we do. So they create big chances. They've created 53 big chances this season. That is the exact same as us. It is the joint third highest in the league.
0: Right.
1: So that's, that's behind Leeds. I'll give you a five points if you could guess who's second.
0: Se- oh, wait, second highest big chances? Yeah. Is it Wigan? No, but they were fifth, but they're now sixth. It's actually Hull City. <laughs> oh, no way. Did, yeah. did that all come in their 6-0 win over Bolton? Uh, yes.
1: No, 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 they've, they've, they've <laughs> just gone there 25
0: big chances in
1: that game. Yeah, on this mad run that they've been on. But yeah, it's yeah. so, you know, discount Hull, bit of an outlier, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, so Norwich, they've got a very similar style to us in terms of when they create a chance, it tends to be a good penalty area chance. Mm. However, they're not like us in the fact that they will shoot from outside the box. Right. So they have midfielders that will have a go. Um, simple as that. They scored a goal on Friday night exactly that way. Poor goalkeeping, but it was a shot from about thirty yards out. They they've got good technical players. Um, couple of, so a couple of other things on their strengths. So really good guy, kind of not following miley doing his own thing. S two stats, doing some brilliant visors. You know, he's really good at programming, so he's doing some excellent kind of data graphs and things that show different metrics and. Um, One of them is kind of looking at the championship playing styles. It it looks at passes in the final third or deep completions and and percentage of the time in an opponent's final third. So basically, if you camped in someone's final third, yeah, you know, let's just blend simply down. Norwich have a similar, don't have a similar style to us in this aspect, so we camp teams back in the final third. Um, think Sheffield Wednesday, <laughs> you know, the home <laughs> game. That, that, that's us, and we try and break you down from there. Norwich are very different, and this is intentional. So they have excellent ball players in the midfield. Moritz Leitner uh, has the most passes per game of any player in the league. Right. And his replacement, Mario Vrancic, who's came in while Leitner's been out, is in the top five as well behind Norwood, Bannon, and someone else. I can't remember who else. I think it's Jake Lim Moore or someone. Um, but in essence, what they do is they, they pass the... They, they will hold the ball in the middle at an average tempo. Okay, so they'll hold the ball, they'll pass out wide, come back around, and they'll circulate. As soon as they get into that final third, they click, they accelerate. So they're very unlike us in this aspect. Mm. Whereas we will look for controlled attacks and try and open space up and then exploit, they will accelerate in the final third. And, and everything is then done with vertical passing. They've got quick wingers... Um, O'Neill Hernandez, we highlighted he's exceptionally quick and yeah. he's very skillful. And we highlighted him us, you know, in the home game before the, uh, the start of the season. He's exceptional. Timo Pukki has exceptional movement around the, the penalty box, um, you know, and they create a lot of cutbacks. They've got fullbacks as well who play like left and right wingers. Right. So their best players are probably the fullbacks this year. Max Ahrens especially on the right hand side, is a superstar. He will be in the Premier League next year, one way or the other um he will bomb on all day long and they look for cutbacks so they have a lot of different ways they can hurt you um even bringing Jordan Rhodes on he actually wins a lot of decent amount of aerial duels he's a bit of a physical threat so they've got a plan b option as well yeah so they have a lot that can hurt you basically they're a team full of highly skilled technical forwards and midfielders and they rotate they don't have a defined structure. They move about and they've got some pace. So it's everything you might want to fear in a team.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm not confident about this game at all, to be honest. I, I will be amazed if we get uh, anything out of it. Uh, uh, not to not to be down on, on United. It just, uh, yeah, it seems like they have slightly more than us, essentially. And our record in these games is not good. Three, uh, three away games at, uh, sorry, two away games at top six teams so far. Zero points from us.
1: Yes, yes, I, I agree. I don't disagree. Uh, I'm trying to find the thread that I put out, because Norwich, they're not amazing to top six teams either. Right. So I, I actually put a thread out on this, and, and top six at home, I think they played 3-1-1, won, won, lost two, and out they of have, the whole season.
0: Actually, oh, I kind up. of have that in front of me. Yeah, Leeds, Leeds won at Norwich, West Brom won at Norwich, Derby won at Norwich as well.
1: They did 4-3 when the lights went out.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was, I was just there waiting I thought that was another ploy for Norwich to get like into even more injury time scoring because they have done a lot of uh, injury time scoring they
1: are uh, and, and they're also a poor first half team so that is a definite thing so Norwich are 22nd or 21st yeah. it was in the first half results but they're top of the league for second half results so this is uh, okay so that, let, if we're focusing on things to highlight and this is just data not tactical we can get into that if needs be um, but just data-wise, what we're saying here is this is a team that, so, okay, so XG-wise, fifth best XG against in division. So they're a good defense. They're not an yeah. amazing one, but they're a very good defense. Okay? They don't let loads of shots against either because they dominate the ball. However, the other good thing about Norwich for them is if teams tend to do get ahead of them, they can pin them back. But one thing we're great at is getting ahead of a team and normally staying there. Yeah. That's what we're great at. So Norwich will give chances. Bolton got them pinned them back, and that's not a good football team. You know, <laughs> we know Derby can be great on the day, but we played and they weren't. And, you know, they, they went and got the win there. This is not an invincible team. I'm more mm. I'm more worried about Leeds than, than Norwich, for example. If it was Leeds who were playing, I'd be more concerned. Norwich are Norwich not invincible. So they've got some excellent players. We're going to have to be defensively unbelievable and on our game. If we yeah. are we will create a chance or two. They give up some chances. Not lots, but they give up some chances. They give up more big chances than we do and it's going to be taking them. I know people say that. It's a cliche. You've got to take your chances. Yeah, we know from XG percentages get missed. But against Norwich, that's not a day we can miss that one chance that we create. We have to take it. And if we do and get ahead, you know, then you never know. We're certainly not favourites, Norwich are, but there is, I think there's some things we can exploit. They do bob on. Their full-box do bomb on, and that for me is both a strength and a weakness because we have wingbacks who will exploit those spaces. Mm. Um, you know, they do have a midfield that is extremely good at controlling the game, and they will put in interceptions. But they're not that physical in there. So if McGoldrick, if he does play, if he can drop in there and link the play, you know, and go an extra man in there, we might be able to take the ball away from them. I don't think Norwich have had too many sides this year that have took the ball off them and made them get pinned in and defend.
0: Well, as I say, yeah, they have the uh, third highest possession in the league, which is. If anyone's wondering, United eighth, so they they dominate the ball even more than we have this season. So, yeah, I mean, this is a major uh, acid test for me because i I'm not looking up the table for United yet. I know we kind of, you know, pondered it a bit last last time we spoke, and I was saying, well, it seems like the average amount of points you need to get, you need to finish in the top two. It just felt like too many to me. if we win this game which i don't expect us to do but if we do i think at that point i may start thinking do you know what we could actually we could <laughs> actually get automatic as it is i'm uh i don't know I, i'm kind of <laughs> or, i'm kind of already thinking about uh it's bolton at home isn't it we've got some <laughs> yeah some winnable games at home coming up uh, and it will be three weeks between home games as well which is a is a bummer and i never enjoy that so, I don't know. I'm not confident about this one at all. I do expect us to lose. Um, and, yeah, I hope people don't don't wig out too much about losing to a very good team uh, when we're in such an incredibly good position in the league. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, the other one, the other name, I'd, I haven't actually watched Norwich much this season at all, um, but there was a name that jumped out to me. Emi Correct. So, yeah, yeah Emiliano... Buendia, Buenda, whatever it is. Buendia. Uh, yeah. He was playing a sort of a. Uh, I think he's playing as like the right of an attacking three. Uh, yeah. He has the highest number of key passes per ninety for Norwich with two point six. So a key pass is essentially a chance created, isn't it?
1: Yes. He, he actually. Have you took that from who scored? Yes. Okay. So who scored the, the, those those incorporate set pieces and there's a drop down menu you can go to find open play. Ah. Okay. Um, and he's one of the highest from open play in the league. Emmy, right. Because he doesn't often take up his. Emmy Buenda is a class
0: number 10. He's a yeah, little. Where did he come from then? I mean, I've never so, heard of this guy.
1: There's a really good article, actually, if anyone's interested in this, and it is a bloody good article. A guy called Adam Brandon on Twitter is a South American football expert because he lives out there, and he's also mm-hmm. a massive Norwich fan. Right. Um, and he wrote an article on Emmy Buenda. So Emmy, Emmy Buendia is Argentinian, um, but he spent his youth football years in Spain.
0: Yeah. Actually,
1: he was. It. He was actually at Real Madrid when he was 13, I think. Yeah. So there's a really good article on Emi Buendia and how he's got to where he is. He's had a fantastic football pedigree and education, let's put it that way. But he is the archetypal, classic, small, diminutive number 10. He's exceptionally skillful, loves through balls, little balls around the corner, dribble in. He is a very good player. And he's the type of player that, to be honest, does not destroy us, but that we don't like playing against. Um, he's, because he's we, Only just we, turned 22 as well. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Oh, he's he's, he's yeah. He's worth millions. Yeah, <laughs> it's, no doubt about that. Um, but he's the type of player that our midfield aren't very good at picking up. That's what I would say. That that is worth a concern. Uh, and he's the type of player that really moulds Norwich's style. Norwich put in the third least crosses in the league. Right. So they don't cross much, and the reason they don't cross much is predominantly because they play Timo Mupuki up top. So why would you? Um, but B because they play a lot of through balls. Yeah, they play they play a lot of passes around the corners into channels and cutbacks, you know, that aren't crosses. So you're talking about a side here that are just highly technical. They press high as well. It, it, it's it's everything that's a Blades fan's worst nightmare. Basically, it is a highly technical, fast, explosive team, yeah. and they're, they're full of speed in their play as well. So what we need to do is definitely go front foot, go and pin them back, and let's see how they deal with us because they have a lot of highly technical players, but they're not used to defending.
0: Mm.
1: So, Interesting. You know, I think the only way to go and play Norwich, yeah, you have to be pragmatic, but you have to go and play them. Derby did it. They got a result. Um, Yeah. You just have to go and take them on, head
0: on. And that that is why... Teams have scored goals against them, haven't they? Lots of goals as well. That's why why they've had so many 4-3s, I guess. Lots of goals. More than their XG says. So, they have had some good finishes against them. They conceded
1: 36 and their XG against is only 30.6. So... Right. There is something to say. Their defense has actually been slightly unlucky. There's been some goalkeeping errors. I know Tim Krull's had one or two good games recently, but he's also had some absolute howlers. They're not right. the best at the back. Uh, I work in an office with a, a Norwich fan of 50 years, um, and he's he tells me often that Zimmerman at the back, a, a big German guy, he's good. But other than that, because the fullbacks bomb on, they are defensively prone to errors. Mm. I think I think if we get the ball in the box and put them under pressure, I, honestly, I, I'm hopeful.
0: Yeah, you you sound much more optimistic about this one than I do. <laughs> Maybe it's because you're going. Uh, yeah, that's
1: half of it. To be honest with you, I can't really go down. I'm in a loss. Can I,
0: <laughs> I suppose not? No. Um, all right, mate. Uh, so yeah, anything else you want to quickly mention from the Norwich game before we wrap up?
1: It's not Norwich. I have to say something. So
0: I was going to make sure you said something. So Stoke City report. <sighs> I have to say something about that. I'll just give you the floor for this one. Yeah, okay. So. Uh, uh, Yeah,
1: I I can't even, I don't even want to give him credit. Right, so... Just don't don't name him, it's fine. He'll know. He knows. Yeah, he (laughs) he knows. So in essence, someone very clever has done something very clever on on social media when the whole Stoke City job was going and there was, I believe, there was a genuine... Not rumour, but there was a genuine someone, an actual journalist of Chris Wilder could be an option for Stoke type thing. I think,
0: I think it was Alan Biggs again. Alan Biggs loves a, loves a Wilder to whoever rumor, does doesn't he?
1: Yeah, I'm going to tell Biggs next time on just to pack that in. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, basically someone decided to make a nice fake fake account called Bendover. Um, if that wasn't a clue, I, I don't know what was. You were busy, you didn't notice that. In my defence, I get a fair new few notifications. Um <laughs> a day that i just respond to because i just like to talk to people and i don't read often who they are um and it it just yeah i i bit a little bit on this chris wilder to stoke thing not not aggressively i was just saying why wilder wouldn't go and uh, i just went along with his con for far too long for a supposedly intelligent person and yeah he then released a video where he's just kind of superimposed my face from alan biggs show (laughs) in sheer shock (laughs) The reveal was on, and it was actually a Blades fan who does this for fun. So,
0: absolute... <laughs> didn't, didn't you block him, or was that uh, was that faked?
1: No, I did. I did block him, because he was just like... Just, I kept getting bent over in my notifications, the Stoke City <laughs> report. And I was like, this is just taking the piss. you just leave me alone? Because I just stopped replying. I, there's, there's a couple of Wednesday fans that do it, to be honest with you. They just try and... Like, every day, I just get abuse off them. Every day.
0: <laughs> and it's you, just like... Uh... You know you've made it when you've got non-United fans giving you abuse. You've become, yeah, well, this, you become this was a it, personality. No, I think you know you've made it
1: when a United fan basically catfishes you. That That's, that's in essence that's what funny. happened. Um, so, yeah, I think all credit to Henry for doing that. Well done, mate. Yeah, fair game. You got me. You absolute
0: beep. Henry W underscore is his Twitter name. I think we all know what the W must stand for at this point. I'm just yeah. kidding, Henry. I'm, I'm sure it's not that all. Um, Ah, I was going to say something then. So Some, we were just talking about Alan Biggs Stoke. Mm. Oh yes, I remember. Getting abuse on uh on Twitter just before we finish. Uh I notice you uh I mean you you're very popular with Sunderland fans these days, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I noticed you uh you shared the rumor that their striker is off to Bordeaux or wherever. I, I thought when I saw that you'd shared that with uh not the top 20 and people, I thought, oh no. The the hordes of rabid Sunderland fans are going to be coming for you as though you've had some uh, no. had some involvement in this. Do you know what? I haven't had it that bad.
1: He's gone actually. Okay. I believe Sky said he's gone three and a half million. So Josh
0: Maja um, Maja Maja, we're talking jo- about him.
1: Yeah, Josh Maja. Yeah, I, yeah. It, interest. Let's just say when you decide to uh, move on from your own team and, and and do leagues and other teams, it's extremely interesting the responses you get. Some good, by the way. Some some excellent people out there. Um, but yeah, Sunderland fans are very defensive of XG at the minute. So anyway, anyone...
0: so I, I, I hope you don't find this intrusive. Well, it's in the public domain, of course. It's not. I I read one of your uh, one of your threads talking to a um, a Sunderland fan about expected goals, and yes, you are one patient person <laughs> to engage very calmly with somebody telling you that your thing was a load of well. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. You, you were you were calm in the face of uh, irrational abuse, and yeah, I think you should be commended for that because uh, I think I would have been reaching for the block button at that point.
1: I'm not always that calm. Um, <laughs> that was just a calm day. No, it's, do you know what it is? And it's, it's you know I don't want to moan. Go on, I'm like this is a blaze podcast. So I want to keep it Blades. But it's like so. I think we see, we've both said privately since we started doing this when we have conversations in pubs now, and it isn't necessarily with our circle of friends or who we go to games with. I genuinely hear people talking about expected goals or talking about taking better quality chances, mm-hmm. and I, I'm not saying that we're high, you know, putting us on a pedestal or anything. But it does feel like we have a and maybe it's more modern thing. There's some brilliantly educated fans out there. Kieran Gray always comments on stuff. He's wonder. He's brilliantly educated. He's a great tactical mind. He should work in football, quite frankly. Dan Atkin, another one who always talks to us, another brilliant mind on football. You know, it's just these guys just they've accepted what we talk about. Is mm. is based on fact. We're not saying it's always right, but it's based on fact and it's based on on statistics and it's based on mathematical possibilities that this thing happens more than this thing. Mm. And I think you know, obviously, Sheffield United's style helps that under Wilder. We've created big chances, but sometimes it's it's nice to try and educate people, not not in the I know better, but that actually this is a thing. It doesn't need to be the thing, or it doesn't need to be gospel but well, this is a thing this is why it's a thing and this is why it's something to discuss overperforming xg or underperforming xg is something to discuss mm. there is a reason behind it and i think it's nice to do that we've i certainly know that we've done that and I, you know when we analyze games now i think there is less of an overreaction because if we yeah. created good chances and, and xg says we should have won a game and then we go on and win next week you think okay so you know the trend is going in the right direction isn't it that, that's what i'm trying to summarize as long as the trend is going in the right direction i think losses become more acceptable
0: yeah, to, a, I mean, to a certain extent that's why I find analytics so interesting in football because it is it is answering that question of like did we get what we deserve today and you can yes. actually numerically say you know not definitively yes or no but generally yes like more times than not that if you played that game a thousand times it would shake out the same way it did or it would have gone a different way and yeah I think uh, you know obviously we're not claiming credit for (laughs) informing people of that but it's interesting that I completely agree I do think the conversation has evolved in that direction in the last couple of years and yeah you hear more and more pundits kind of talking now about like Percentage chances and actually saying, "Well, that's probably a, a, a you know fifty percent chance or a sixty percent chance." I think I even heard Danny Murphy saying something along them lines. Jesus, uh, no I know. way, no seriously. I was He's the I worst was, one of a lot. I was for some reason watching the uh, Derby Southampton replay. I think right. there was nothing else on at the time. Um, and I'm sure I heard him at half-time say something along those lines, and I was like, whoa, steady on Danny. I didn't expect that. I, t- I,
1: t- I tell you, does just on comms, it's, it's tangented, as we always do, but this is quite interesting, actually. People might find this interesting. So I, I have... Again, it feels like I'm name-dropping, but I'm really not. I, I happen to have been in a conversation with Andy Hinchcliffe. Oh, yeah. And, um, and, and, and obviously, X wednesday Connection, so we'll take the piss, and some people think he's not the greatest commentator in the world or whatever. Andy Hinchcliffe is fully aware and understands XG, he knows who is wearing the XG table in the league, and he tries to, you know, he's told me he tries to communicate that in a sense where he doesn't say the words expected goals because that can put people off. He might not say the number, but he, he tries to communicate that, you know, that he has that knowledge that there is another league table out there that might be more accurate. You know, yeah. After 27 games, there might be one that can show you a bit more. Uh, you know you just need to understand that I, I know that Dean Smith used to the, the now Aston Villa manager when he was manager of Brentford and we all know Brentford love expected goals um, you know they're the poster boys for it he used to pin the league table up in the dressing room the expected goals table oh, so really? I, I it's, yeah Dean Smith it's, it's, there's a podcast called Set Piece Menu really good podcast done by Rory Smith Andy Hinchcliffe this is where this has been discussed right. uh, and they've they've had interviews with Dean Smith before where he said I used to every week pin up the XG table and he called it the Justice League Right, table, because it was basically that is that is the true table and you know if Brentford were underperforming because they were defensively poor or they weren't scoring the goals he'd pin that up and he'd say that's where we're going wrong that's mm. what we're going to work on that's how we're going to get to where we should be which is actually second people can point and say Brentford are 17th now whatever but when you think of the size of the club they once were and where they're at now there's no argument that it, 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 it's unbelievable you know yeah, what, what they, they've done so definitely that, the Justice that, League
0: they're going to be getting a letter from uh, DC yeah. comics. DC. Yeah, noise. yeah.
1: I'm sure. That, I'm sure they spelled it with a Z or something. Just, to, <laughs> no,
0: but it's just, you know, But it's just,
1: it's just interesting. It's really interesting. I, I'm not saying that I think Chris Wilder does that, but I know for a fact that there is a heavy understanding, especially with Alan Nil, of expected goals, what it is, why, what it means, and more how we how you can apply that to analysing.
0: Yeah. Well, well, that's why we never shoot from it. long range, isn't it? Presumably, Please. it's a, it's an understanding that it is a low percentage chance. I mean, that is what that is that what XG is.
1: Exactly that. It, you know, the, the mass behind this and talking about it can bore people sometimes, but it, it, it's a tactical thing. There was an article that Opta have done, um, and it was based on the MLS, And they've, but they've done it in the big five leagues now, which is in the last five years, there has been a decline in long-range shots and there has been yeah. an increase in shots within the penalty box and six-yard box. Yes. Teams are statistically and tactically making big chances now because there is a the thought process that if I shoot from here, it's less likely to be a goal than if we work it into the six-yard box that seems obvious but for the last 10 years that wasn't the case mm. you know so this it is. people say it's not a thing it's changing the game it's beyond the thing it's here and it's changing the game it's not to say you do it every time it's just to say it, it's certainly a thing and, and there will be a new evolution of something soon and the first team to get on that will probably be amazing but mm. Yeah, it's interesting, uh, and I think you'll see that in full effect this weekend. Just around it back to Sheffield United nicely. Very nice. Both sides will look to create chances in the penalty box or six yard box. They will look to get round the back and cut it back for a tap in because we both love high percentage chances. Yeah,
0: done. <laughs> <laughs> that was very neatly summarised. Well done. It's going to be a good game, I think. Uh, when know, when I'm, I'm a bit pessimistic, but. I'm not saying we're going to get smashed or anything like that. I just yeah expect them to have slightly too much for us. But ultimately, you know, I rattled off those stats at the start about how many shots they have, the possession, and all that. And to be honest, apart from the number of dribbles per game, where there is a big disparity, most of those categories we stack up pretty equally with Norwich, with one of the better attacking sides in the league, because we are also one of the better attacking sides in the league, and we're also the best defensive side, I believe, or at least very much. Very much in the conversation with Middlesbrough, so yeah, I'm not really uh, being down on United's ability. I just think away game, very good team. Probably, if I was going to bet on it, it would be a Norwich win. But hopefully, I'm wrong and we get uh, we get at least a point. I think a, a point here it's almost it's almost more valuable from a morale point of view to me than an actual yeah. league table point of view because I will you know I won't really care if we lose as long as we beat uh, Bolton in the next home game. And then we're still back in the box seat, but it would be nice just to uh, just to get one. And also, it would take two points away from Norwich as well. It would be the uh, you know, it's it's the definition of a six pointer, I suppose. This one,
1: hundred oh, percent. Don't think we can add any more, mate.
0: No, and we've rattled on for far too long. My apologies for taking up too much of your time. As always, um, have you got anything anything to plug quickly? Anything you want to mention before we finish?
1: No, too busy. Too busy.
0: <laughs> too too busy. busy. No,
1: no, but I will, what I will plug is if anyone's down there on Saturday, drop us a message on Twitter. It, it's very much drink o'clock time because we can't lose this one.
0: Just, there being just, no, Carrow Road and not your house. Um, well, there, if, if
1: we win, everyone's welcome back. But yeah, Carrow Road <laughs> will do first, yeah.
0: <laughs> nice one. All right, thanks very much, Jay. I'll talk to you later, mate. All right, mate. Thank you. Bye. Cheers, Bye.